0: Matthew 11 in your New Testament. Today, we are taking a break from our three-part or three-section series to have a different type of conversation this morning. And maybe maybe you are like me, and the older you get, the more you tend to struggle with all of the noise in our world and maybe it's just me and Pastor Eric because we've talked about this, but I I believe that that we all wrestle a little bit with how noisy our world really is. It seems like there are so many things that are just, I, I just feel overstimulated from time to time that I can't catch a break from all the things that are going on. There's so many voices trying to speak into my life and speak into our culture there is this constant flow of information. There is this, this constant need to get more information and attain more information. And there's a lot of opinions being shared. And there's a lot of new things that get released into our lives and new ideas. There's a lot of drama. You think about it from the from the. From the lens of politics and social justice and the economy, healthcare and vaccines and all the things, there's just a lot of things coming our way. There's things we're being told that we're doing wrong, things that we're doing right, and, and there's, there's, there's black and white and there's, there's in between and there's gray areas and there's all the, all the things that, that we struggle to, to work through. We're told what we should eat and how we should vote and We're told what restaurants are the best. We need to buy this product and it's gonna change your life. There's just so many voices. And for me, and it might just be an immaturity on my part, but I tend to feel so many times like I'm being crushed by all of the noise and by all the voices and all the stuff. Sometimes I think it might just be my brain. I'm just not as smart or as fast as others, and my brain just doesn't catch up with all the information that's coming my way. But what I do know is this, based on experience and reading God's word, is we, we need some time away from all the noise in our life. And our Savior, he knew that, he modeled that, times of rest and silence, and, and he had times of solitude, and, 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 and for us, it seems like those things are, are just, not happening like they should or like we may want them to and I'm sure that you you all would be able to agree with me in some way shape or form on that truth and I'm sure we feel that tension we live in this crowded noisy world and and we're probably all feeling a little overwhelmed by the sheer number of things that are going on in our world and it's not always bad stuff by the way It's not always bad stuff. I mean, the things that we do every day, laundry, dishes, all of those things, those are not bad things. Taking the kids to their events and and all the things that that we, we have to do, so it's not always bad stuff. But I think based on what we see in Jesus, a mental break from all the noise is necessary and needed. So Jesus knew that this was something that we needed, and he modeled it for us, and And we see all throughout the Gospels that that he made time to to pray and to be alone in the presence of God in silence and what we call solitude in the scriptures. And he knew what, what we needed. And so in Matthew 11, I want to read a very familiar scripture that I want to use to kind of set the table this morning for our conversation. In Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, and 30, it says, come to me, All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think we should underline that word rest. We're going to be talking about that word over and over again this morning. But It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. So the question that I wanna ask you this morning as we start this conversation is do you rest well? When you think about the the word rest, what is your experience with it? Do you rest well? Jesus made rest and silence a huge part of his, his template for living, his routines. In Luke chapter five, it says that he withdrew to a desolate place to be alone and to pray. Now it's important to note that while Jesus was on earth, as we we all probably know, Jesus felt all the same emotions that you feel. That Jesus dealt with the same tension that you feel every day. Jesus was was a hot commodity for several different reasons. He was hated by a large group of people but he was sought out by a large group of people. Jesus was constantly healing. He was constantly meeting the needs of the disciples and the people who were around him. Jesus knew what it meant to be busy. Jesus knew what it felt like to live in a noisy world. He had a lot of people trying to tell him what to do and how he should think and what he should do and where he should go, just like we do. And Jesus was about kingdom work. So he wasn't just doing things, he was doing the work of the Father, and he still realized that although he was God in the flesh, he was also man, And he needed to rest. He was faithful to serve and love people. He healed the sick. He, He made the lame walk. He raised the dead back to life. He was a busy person by today's standards. And it wasn't just bad things that he was getting away from. It was good things. You see, rest is vital to every area of our lives. And Jesus was disciplined in his pursuit of it and his discipline of doing it. Now, I would say this, before we move on to the next section here, is if Jesus needed rest, why would we think we don't? If the Savior of the world, who is raising people from the dead, realizes his own limitations in the flesh, then who do we think we are? Burning the candle at both ends, saying yes to everything that comes our way, Jesus knew he needed rest. And none of us are doing a greater work than he came to do. Yet he took time to be alone and rest. So we should follow his example. And the question I want to ask is, what are your rhythms of grace and rest? So what about rest? Do you rest well? There's another word that we see in our Bibles for Uh, that facilitates rest, and that's the word Sabbath. And so Pastor Eric's gonna take a few minutes and walk us through what biblical Sabbath looks like in our lives.
1: Thank you Pastor Zach, good morning. The operative phrase in his last sentence was, a few moments. (laughs) This is a continuous challenge for me.
0: I'm in good company.
1: Yes, you are. Well, many people view Sabbath as either an irrational inconvenience or even an impossibility or as if it were the proverbial pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and in other words it's something wonderful to discover but it's only as a dream or as a future attainment. Ah, One day I'll get to a point where I'll I'll have a Sabbath and I understand it's important. I think a lot of times it's a misconception about what Sabbath really is. Many people view Sabbath as just simply something physical. I'm going to go rest my body. I'm just going to take time off work but it's so much more than that. Beginning with the fact that it's not a suggestion. It is a commandment. It's a commandment. And I'm gonna tell you right up at the start of this, I have often broken this commandment. It is the fourth of the Ten Commandments the last of the four that relate directly to our personal relationship with Almighty God. So this is a hard talk for me. I don't feel qualified in many ways, but it's still biblical and it's still important. And so my soul has been challenged and I trust yours will be as well. So first of all, we see that it is God's command. In Genesis, and I hope you're ready for this, get your Bible ready. We're going to do sword drills here today. (laughs) For those of you who don't know what that is, that means have your Bible ready and we're going to move real quick. So the first passage is Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3, and this is, of course, the creation account. And in the second chapter of Genesis, in the first verse, we read this. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse three, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. In other words, he set it apart. That's what what making it holy is because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, if we're not careful, we're gonna say, wow, God rested so he must have been tired. Well, God wasn't tired. God is omnipotent, He possesses all the power and the energy uh, of the entire universe within His own being. So God doesn't get tired. So why is God setting this day apart and why does he give us the example of rest? Let's move on to Exodus, the second book in our Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20. We see in Genesis 2, the passage I just read, that Sabbath is established in the very fabric of creation. Secondly, in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10, we read this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In other words observe. Remember doesn't just mean oh yeah I remember something in there about the Sabbath. No. It means observe. That's what that word means. The Sabbath day to keep it holy or set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it So, not only was it established in the fabric of creation, it's codified in the Ten Commandments. What do I mean? It's written down, it's defined, it's given to us as a commandment. It is there for us to read and to obey. In Exodus 23, let's just move on a couple pages in our Bible. Exodus 23, verses 10 through 12. For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed." So not only is this applied to a weekly observance or setting apart or making holy of this day, but also it's applied literally to the land and to the entire culture of God's people. There are a lot of engines that run our world today. Those engines are constantly at work. 24-hour service, access online or via the phone. Now, in this period of time, we've seen a cessation of some of that 24-hour service, but there are lots of businesses that are built on being able to service you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. If you're a farmer, and we have farmers here, you know how vigilant you have to be about the preparation of the land and the maintenance of your equipment and getting the crops uh, the, the planting the seed and then getting the crops out of the field. All of this stuff to make, there's, there's a lot of engines that run in our society today. God says that every seventh year in this, in this Old Testament understanding of Sabbath, there was supposed to be a rest. Now, while we don't observe that type of a thing in our society, and in many cases this in particular may not be required as the fourth commandment is, It still shows the importance of Sabbath being for the land and for the entire culture. Let's move on. Exodus 31, verse 12. Exodus 31, verses 12 through 17. And the Lord said to Moses, by the way, that word Lord, you see it all in capitals. Does that mean? I think it's important to understand who's who's speaking here, that's Yahweh, that's the living God, that is the great I am. He is always available, he never sleeps or slumbers. This is the God who watches over everything and knows everything. This God said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I Yahweh sanctify you, or set you apart. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it, who makes it vain, who approaches it flippantly, who disregards it, disrespects it, shall be put to death. Whoever does not any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord, whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. Aren't you glad that we live in the age of grace? (laughs) I would have been dead decades ago. So while this uh, type of stringent penalty upon Sabbath uh, uh, disrespect in essence and non-observance uh, does not exist for us today don't we die when we don't observe the Sabbath I, I put forth to us all myself first that we die a slow death before our time in essence because of our disobedience to the Lord sin brings forth death we ignore the Sabbath, it wears our souls down. We begin to, to falter and to fail, lose perspective. It's conveyed to the people of God as a sign of being set apart for him and a constant reminder of our relationship and rest in him. And this may be literally one of the most important aspects of the Sabbath. Is that by observing it, I show that I'm different from the rest of the world that runs its engine constantly without stopping and that I believe in a God who will provide for me even though I do this unreasonable, inconvenient thing of pulling aside one day out of every week so that I might truly rest and recenter my life on him, showing that I belong to him. And lastly, Isaiah 58. 13 and 14, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, and this after an entire uh, description in this chapter about how the people of God were just basically abusing their relationship with God, they were ignoring the heart of the covenant, they were showing they had a a form, but they had no real substance in their heart. And he says at the end of this, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day or your business, my ESV notes, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's a serious thing. This is observed as a regular challenge to our self-pleasing idolatry. Oh, I got a day off. What can I do for myself? What can make me happy? Do we give thought for the fact that God longs to be in fellowship with us intimately and have all of us on a day of the week where we can rest in him, talk with him? That doesn't mean we don't get about some of our normal duties. This is not a legalistic thing we'll see, but we'll move on. In summary, God established an unbreakable example of the Sabbath in creation mandated it in the fourth of the Ten Commandments. So important is this Sabbath command that God established it for the land and the people to receive prolonged rest every seventh year. He reiterates that these Sabbath commitments are powerful and clear signs of his relationship with his children. This provides the framework to set us apart from the lost world of mankind and requires that this commanded observance cost us personally in regard to our own selfish pursuits. It's God's command. Secondly, we see it's God's way of caring for us. Everything in the world system, our sinful mortal nature and from Satan literally bombards. Pastor Zach said this very well in the introduction to this talk. It bombards us daily with influences of pride selfishness, fear, doubt, lust, rebellion, and hatred. We're bombarded by those messages. I don't think any of us in our right mind could deny that. When God saves us, making us one of his children, he promises his eternal, unconditional love, his care, his provision, and his peace, which are wrapped up in his presence. How are we to perceive, to even see the, 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 the joy and the importance and the relevance of that presence? How are we then to receive God's practical love for us, especially in the midst of such continuous warfare against our souls? In John 10.10, 10, many of us know this verse, it says, "The thief." comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Make no, have no doubt about it, that is the agenda of the devil. He wants to kill, he wants to steal, he wants to destroy. He goes on to say, I came, Jesus says of himself, that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is opposing the violence of Satan against us and offering us, through Jesus, full life. Life that most of us never experience. We kinda get a half-life, we get a little taste of it. We dabble in it, but we don't understand and experience the fullness of life that he desires for us, and came and died and rose again to give us. And then in John 15, if you don't recognize these verses and you've been coming to this church for the last year, then you weren't paying attention to Pastor Zach's series of messages. So over the course of the last year, in John 15, we heard a whole series on abiding in Christ. I think that was the end of 2020, that fall, wasn't it? Or was it right at the start of this year? The beginning of this year. In John 15, verses four and five, we read this. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This fullness of Life is offered only through our abiding in him, leading to a real fullness of joy. How are we to abide in Jesus and experience his abundant, joy-filled life? How are we to do this? It just seems unattainable to most of us. We're so overwhelmed by this constant bombardment. Here it is, we must, these two things. Number one, hear his voice. And number two, grow in our trust. Hear his voice and grow in our trust. So what's the answer to our inability to quiet our souls, to listen to that voice, and to respond in faith? The answer is Sabbath. And that's not a pastoral invention. We've already heard it through the Scriptures. Now, you heard the invitation that was given in Matthew that Pastor Zach shared with us. In Matthew 11 beginning a little bit earlier in that passage in verse 25. And at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. By wise and understanding here in this context, he's talking about people who, who view the world and spiritual things only through the eyes of mortal flesh. They're pretty smart according to the world. They're well-learned. They're very technically proficient, possibly, but they don't get these simple, direct spiritual truths. Who understands them? Little children, are you and I little children? Do we have a tender heart? and are we are we open to the lord's voice yes father for such was your gracious will all things have been handed over to me by my father no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and any one to whom the son chooses to reveal him come to me come to me all who labor and are heavy laden do you labor Are you heavy laden? Do you feel the weight of the world? I will give you rest, he says. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. We find a sympathetic Savior who is waiting for us to come to him and lay these cares at his feet. Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. A yoke is an attachment we can't live without attaching ourselves to persons or things. Religion, workaholism, perfectionism, ambition, hurried living, addictions, unhealthy relationships are all examples of yokes that harm us. The Lord Jesus is the only master who offers a Sabbath yoke, which is a secure attachment relationship, Bill Galtieri says like a child has with an emotionally present and caring mother. We understand that, don't we? Being a, a present and caring parent, grandparent, we can emotionally wrap our heads and hearts around that. This is what God desires for us with him. In Mark two twenty-seven. I hope I haven't lost you. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Let's not get legalistic about this. It's a command wrapped up as a gift, not a legalistic observance. And Psalm 91, we're all over the place in the Bible today. Psalm 91, verses one through four. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. When you read that, do you kind of give a little sigh of relief like I do? Is that like a comforting blanket around your shoulders? Or a reassuring hand on the shoulder? That's exactly what I sense in my spirit when I read those verses. So what should be our cry and our prayer? Oh God, you're my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God's omnipotent shelter is a refuge and a protection for every one of his children. So in summary, though the world, our own bodies, and the devil are against us, God promises his perfect refuge, protection, and provision under his sovereign care. This care is perceived and received when we respond in obedience to his gracious invitation to intimate relationship. The weekly benchmark of this relationship is found in Sabbath. To make significant improvements in the spiritual life, Galtieri goes on to say, We need to train with Jesus to become a different kind of person. This is especially true with learning learning to live in Sabbath rest. He says, I've discovered that there's a progression to it. To begin to live in daily Sabbath rest, we need to learn how to keep a weekly Sabbath. And to benefit significantly from a weekly Sabbath, it greatly helps to do some extensive training on a condensed collection of Sabbaths, otherwise known as a sabbatical. This is a great opportunity of a sabbatical to learn how to live a weekly Sabbath day, which in turn helps you to live and work every day in Sabbath rest, relying on God and practicing his presence in all that you do. So that leads us to our obedience. God commanded it, he shows his care through it, are we willing to obey it? Here's established, Sabbath observance is an irrevocable command of God. It's one of the 10 commandments. That does not go away. The commandment of Sabbath, without all of the Old Testament laws that were added to it, but the basic command of Sabbath is irrevocable. It's transgenerational, it's it's transcultural, and it spans all, all human time. Secondly, obedience is not optional. If you love me, he says in John 14 21, keep my commandments. Without regular Sabbath practice, our relationship with Jesus suffers. Hence, our sense of his love, his care, his protection, this whole perceiving thing, including his provision for our every need, our trusting him. In Psalm 25, we read clear instructions that are given to us. If I can find it here, it's somewhere in my Bible. Psalm 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Look down at three, indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Four, make me to know your ways. Teach me. Five, lead me. I wait all the day long. Verse 10 for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Verse 13, his soul shall abide in well-being. Verse 14, oh what a beautiful verse. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. We could go on, I would encourage you to read Psalm 25 on your own. They are clear instructions by which our obedience leads to intimate relationship with God. This cannot be accomplished with a casual, cavalier, or convenient attitude and practice. Let's, as I said about another matter in our Sunday school class this morning, there's no wiggle room here. If you know Jesus as your savior, you're commanded to observe a Sabbath. How God crafts it and how you respond to it, that's between you and him but we can't be cavalier about it. We must each be intentional in our Sabbath observance. Disobedience leads to a testimony like the following from a pastor named Chuck. Chuck said this, I realize, this is a pastor, I realize now that I've never really been at rest. Even when I thought things were going well, I was anxious under the surface. Until now, I've never experienced shalom. God's perfect peace. This has largely been my own testimony. I started off by telling you that. I'm sorry if that disappoints you in me, but I'm gonna be honest about this. Stress, anxiety, fearfulness at not meeting everyone's needs. See, you know, I'm one of those people pleasers. Fatigue, exhausted self-preoccupation. When you get real tired, then you just wanna be lazy. You just wanna please yourself. I've experienced that. All of that leading to emotional and physical ailments for years. I have no doubt that I have aged more severely because of a lack of Sabbath observance in my own life. In my absolute dedication over the last 38 and a half half years to serving God and his church and learning about him, I often find myself lacking in intimate fellowship and relational experience with him because I've neglected the Sabbath. Does that mean I don't know him, that I haven't had rich times? No, of course not. They're like little oases throughout all of these years that I've experienced, sometimes longer than others. But not on a weekly basis like I should that would keep me working through the Sabbath rest. Form easily begins to take precedence over substance, hence the absolute necessity of weekly leading to daily Sabbath rest. Balanced with fruitful work. They balance each other. The Sabbath energizes the work that we do. At certain points in every pastor's life, there arises a need for a sabbatical process.
0: And I think one of the things that I wanted to say before we we talk about that more is the majority of pastors don't do Sabbath very well at all. And Eric has talked about his, his battle with this, but I think I would confess the same this morning. And there are many times, and I wouldn't necessarily, I don't believe this to be true, but there are so many times I, we believe that we are people's functional saviors, that we have all the answers, and we need to be there all the time for everybody whenever they need them. And, and we teach you these things but we are some of the biggest hypocrites when it comes to doing these things, to being faithful to rest and to Sabbath, trusting in him and knowing that he is, he is enough and that he is good and that he has a plan. And so I just wanna share with you a couple of things. Uh, the Soul Shepherding Institute has talked about uh, pastors and how, how we tend to live among you. And that is 90% of pastors work 55 to 70 hours per week. Now, I know we only work one day, so that's a really long week there in that one day. (laughs) But 90%, we we don't know how, or we're unwilling sometimes to step away from the work. Uh, 70% of pastors fight depression, Uh, 33 say that it's a that ministry is an outright hazard to their family. One out of every 10 pastors will actually retire from the ministry. And as of 2019, over 1,700 pastors leave the ministry every month. And so when pastors are over-stressed, other things suffer as well. And here's what, here's what is said by spouses who are married to pastors that 80% of spouses feel unappreciated and left out by those who are supposed to love them. Over 50% say that the most destructive event that has ever taken place in their marriage was the day that they entered the ministry. And 80% say that they wish their spouse would choose another profession. And so that brings us to that, this final part of the conversation that Pastor Eric has already mentioned Uh, something that, this conversation actually started about a decade ago with Pastor Dan Wingate, who was our previous senior pastor. This conversation of of sabbatical, that's what it's called in the collegiate, and the corporate world, but we kind of, we've liked referring to it as a, a Sabbath rest. And for me as a leader, we have these conversations a lot between Pastor Eric and myself. We've been talking about this idea of our struggle with resting well and following this biblical command to Sabbath. And so we've been, it's been an ongoing conversation, but we, even with our team, we talk about this a lot, this idea of rest and what does it look like to detach and what does it look like to have that moment where we, where we really find rest in our God. And so something that we are instituting here on our staff for our pastors is a, is a process for accountability called a sabbatical. And we have been talking about this for, for some time, but it's a period of, of time designated for rest, re-engagement with the Lord, reimagining, and to gain a new focus of calling and purpose. And part of the problem that we have highlighted this morning is pastors don't, we just don't make time for those things. So this plan is designed so that the pastors on this staff will be able to do just that. This is, a, this is, a, this is an important part of what we think is gonna be needed for our pastors. Pastors get so preoccupied caring for others that their own soul suffers. 44% of pastors do not regularly take a day off. Um, there's even more statistics out there that pastors don't take vacations um, and I know for me I have gone as, as, as long as 40 plus days without taking an actual Sabbath day. So the Soul Shepherding Institute says this isn't a new thing it's just and it just hasn't been practiced in our American culture. The Biblical precedent in the Christian tradition is for pastors to go on sabbatical once every seven years. And it's very difficult for pastors and leaders to say no to the needs of the people they care for and the, and the un- unending opportunities to do God's work and grow their church or their ministry. But if they don't care for their own souls under God, respecting their personal limits and nurturing their own relationships with God and their family, then their ministry eventually collapses. And we see that happening everywhere these days among pastors. The pastors are Christ's ambassadors to hundreds or thousands of people. And I believe that we need pastors to be morally fit and spiritually healthy. And so a soul shepherding sabbatical is really, it's an insurance policy for pastors and their wellness and their leadership health. So it's something that that we're gonna do here at West Hill. We've, We've been having this conversation for a while Our leadership boards as well are on board and have been a part of this conversation. So Pastor Eric is going to be the first member of our pastoral staff to receive and take a sabbatical, or what we're calling it is a a Sabbath rest. And I'm really happy that we're in a position to make that happen. And so Eric, if you wouldn't mind, share a little bit about how this, this conversation
1: actually started. Well, Dan and I were talking about it, Pastor Dan and I were talking about it years ago, <clears throat> and it's always a dangerous conversation because it's a fearful thing to let go of the reins of your, of what we believe to be our ministry and to turn it over and live by faith in this regard. It's a, it's a frightening thing. <clears throat> so it was kind of like the can that got kicked down the road, you know. And uh, over the course of the last couple years, I could sense in my own need that I was getting, my soul was getting worn down, that I had longed to have an extended time where, where I, could, uh, I could separate from my normal duties and seek the Lord and grow and be refreshed and re-energized in all the things that you had talked about before. And so uh, we talked about it a couple years ago, and it wasn't a convenient time at that point with just all of the things that we had going in our ministry. And um, it's refined itself to the point where I think both of us, including our leadership here in the church, our lay leadership in the church, has felt comfortable and energized by this vision. And so uh, a plan has been put in place and it's been confirmed uh, by our our lay leaders in the church as well as our staff.
0: So I'm not forcing you out?
1: (laughs) No, you're not forcing me out. Only this say is, that for This a is not a forced leave of absence. <laughs> that is the rumor, right? <laughs> uh, it is going around. Yeah. He's not kicking me to the curb. I'm not out to pasture quite yet.
0: <laughs> so why now, though? Why, why now?
1: <clears throat> I, I, uh, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that my identity was wrapped up in a certain style of ministry and function within ministry that um, has taken a shift and while the ministry that I'm involved with now is just completely as vital uh, in every way, it, it, it really reminded me that it was time for me to really seek the Lord so that it's God who, divine, who defines who I am and it's God who equips me for that, and it's God who basically lays this ministry out before me and gives me the energy to do it. And I can't do that on the fly. I, I've tried doing it, and I just don't have the time, the space, and the mental and spiritual energy. So I, I think I came to the point where I felt like I needed to ask you, can we pursue this now at this point? And I did, and you were very gracious to receive it. So,
0: so one thing that I want to point out, and then we're going to ask a specific question of Pastor Eric, and that's, this this sabbatical or Sabbath rest, as we're calling it, it's it's not a it's not a vacation. Um, I mean, you're not you're not going to be on the beach of Cancun for your whole sabbatical, right? I'm not. <laughs> 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 Becky's oh. worried about that. <laughs> I guess I better turn those tickets back in. I guess. So, in view of that, because this is not this is not a vacation, how how is God shaping? your sabbatical at this point, what will, it, what will it look like?
1: Well it will certainly involve elements of rest and as I've read and researched this and uh, Pastor Zach has as well and others in our leadership team, we found that uh, you know, the, this thing that makes us feel so guilty, like taking a nap or separating and being by yourself and resting a little bit, that's going to probably predominate the first week or, or two just simply because we get so emotionally tired and worn out physically as well. So there will be elements of rest. But I've also acquired a number of spiritual materials to work through in a devotional manner. This is not a heavy theological training time. This is not a time for me to take my systematic theology book and wade my way through it over the course of the next uh, period of time in the sabbatical. It is a time for me to seek the Lord, to sink down into him, to allow the word of God to, fa- to shape my, my thoughts and my, my daily life and, and basically to bring me back to center. So it'll be reading and prayer, resting, um, experiencing some different places, uh, receiving some counseling and some training by which Becky and I can then process things and pray through it, um, visiting some people that are dear to us that will refresh our souls but also give us an opportunity to, to trade thoughts and grow.
0: Yeah, so answering that, how can we pray for you most
1: during this sabbatical? Pray that God would have all of me. Pray that my days would be shaped by his Holy Spirit's leadership and not by my selfish flesh. Pray that he speaks to me with the things that he's been trying to say to me for a long time. I haven't perceived a lot of things because I haven't taken the time to just be quiet and be still and let him speak to me. I'm always moving forward. So pray that God helps me to center my life on him, to hear his voice, and to receive what he has for me. Um, Pray as well that it would be a very refreshing time for Becky and I together, that it would be good for us, it would be re-energizing to our marriage and to our family. And pray that when I come back, that when we come back, we'll come back with a renewed passion and energy and a renewed vision for what God wants to do in and through us in this local church. Because I desperately want to serve you well and please my God and to be at full capacity in, in regards to my, my faculties and my energy and my, my spiritual Thank Life. You. Yeah.
0: A um, couple of things I'm sure, questions will be asked. I'm gonna answer a few of those questions now, and then if you have any specific questions for Pastor Eric or Becky, feel free to reach out to them and, and, and talk to them. Uh, the, the sabbatical will officially take place during the months of December of this year and January of next year. So December and January, it'll be a, a complete break from all ministry responsibilities. Uh, there will be no email, no texting, no voicemail, uh, no church work in any way, shape, or form will be happening during this sabbatical. So, um, yeah, So the, we're going we're to log him out of his email and like change his password and do all kinds of stuff. No Slack communication. He'll be getting a, a burner phone with a new s- a cell phone number that's <laughs> It's actually not a joke.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like James Bond or something, you know. Yeah. Just some
0: it sounds really unloving, but it's because we love you. Uh, we wanna do this, so, uh, so, we, uh, so yeah, he'll, he'll be, uh, no work will be expected or tolerated during this season, and so that's on purpose. It's designed that way, on purpose. So it's not a sad thing. I'm excited that we are able as a church to provide this and I'm excited to hear and be a recipient of what God does in you and Becky as you, you. As you guys get away to find this time of rest and, uh, and silence. So this is a way for us to celebrate Pastor Eric and Becky and to honor them and, what, and that he's, that he's going he's gonna to do his work in you guys. And so we trust that and we believe that. And so, um, so we're thankful for it. And so I want to read again from Matthew 11. I'm going to actually read it from... Uh, The paraphrase, the message, Eugene Peterson said this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So, church family, will you, do, will you commit to do two things today? Will you commit to pray for Pastor Eric and Becky to get the rest that they need to finish out the ministry that the Lord has before them? And will you commit to being intentional about creating rhythms of rest and Sabbath in your life? Amen, amen. Will you commit to do that today? It will look different for each and every one of us And so we're not giving you a template on how that needs to look for you specifically, but Jesus taught us that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it won't be the same for everyone. So will you commit this week and the weeks to come to creating a rhythm of Sabbath in your life? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful and grateful for the opportunity that we've had to gather together today to sing praises to your name to sing about your goodness. God, you have been so, so good to us. And in all of our failings, and all of our struggles, all of our sinful behavior from time to time, you're still good to us. You always take us back. You always, you always forgive us. Lord, you've been so good to us. So God, we can only find the rest that we truly need in you and through you. So God, I pray that we would be diligent to seek that rest, to seek that Sabbath, to find those times where, where we put everything on you and that we trust you with it all. God, help us to rest well in you. Lord, I pray that you would bless Pastor Eric and Becky and, and give them the rest and the the, the new ministry vision that you have for their lives, that you would, you would spark that in them and that you would move in them and that you would continue to do the work that, that you are doing. So God, we're so grateful for who you are and, and we're thankful for Jesus who set an example of, of resting and Sabbathing and finding places of silence and solitude and, and that we have that model to look to. And so God, I pray that we would be faithful in pursuing you. Pursuing the example that you set through the person of Jesus in our world and that we would observe that and imitate that in our own lives. God, we're grateful for who you are and what you've done and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.